What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had the opportunity to hang out with Adam Mack over Zoom video. Adam Mack was born and raised in Kentucky, just about an hour north of Nashville, and talks about how he got into music. He grew up in the church, and his mother was always there to really encourage him to sing in the church and to get involved in music. Adam talks about writing his first song when his best friend in high school passed away. We hear about his stint on American Idol, moving to Nashville, and how he really cut his teeth in the songwriting scene in Nashville. He talked about coming out as queer while living in Nashville, what that was like, especially in the country music scene. We also hear about the viral moment he had on TikTok with his song called Boy Like Me. And he talks all about his new album, which is a double album called Disco Cowboy. One half of it, disco songs, the other half, country music. You can watch our interview with Adam on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be amazing if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Adam Mack. Awesome. Well, thank you so much uh, for setting this up, and thanks for doing this, Adam. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. Well, my name's Adam as well, and uh, this is about you and your journey in music, and uh, we'll talk about the new song and everything you have coming up. Heck yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So uh, first off, where were you born and raised? Born and raised in Russellville, Kentucky, um, which is just like an hour and 20 minutes north of Nashville. Okay, right on. Yeah, I recently moved to Nashville about two and a half years ago. Oh, cool. Where'd you move from? San Diego, California, like a a million people (laughs) that have moved. But also gorgeous and beautiful. (laughs) A little little change of pace here, yeah. Oh, yeah, Uh, definitely. But we love it here. My family and I moved here, yeah, like I said, about two years ago. Or a little over two years ago now. So uh, you grew up an hour north of of Nashville in Kentucky. What was that like? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It was interesting, as you can imagine, for um, a young little gay boy who was raised Southern Baptist and uh, loved country music, just a cluster of things that shouldn't work together and somehow produce this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Were you uh, involved in music at an early age? I know a lot of people start off in the church or was that kind of your path? You got it. Yep. So, um, yeah, we were, uh, I was brought up in the church and those are like my earliest memories of singing are, uh, in a choir in, in just doing solos at the church and stuff like that. Um, so that was like the springboard for what would be, uh, the passion of the rest of my life. <laughs> okay. So you did that. And were you in like in school and stuff where you did you do the chorus and choir and all those things? So it was weird. Um, Well, I guess it's probably not weird or or uncommon, Um, but my small town devoted the majority of its funds and resources to football and basketball and sports and little to no resources to the arts. Um, So you can imagine what that left 
for people like me and creatives. Um, I kind of had to just find my own outlets. Um, I was fortunate that my mom, obviously my whole life, um, she was constantly bribing me as a young child to like sing at church and do all the things. And um, she saw something in me very early that she pushed me towards um, as long as I wanted to do it. And in high school, I think she really realized, oh, he like really enjoys singing. And I think he has something. Um, So she sought out a vocal coach for me that was in Bowling Green, Kentucky, like 30 minutes um, outside Russellville. So really it was in high school, it was more of like I had a vocal coach and I was just kind of learning what it even felt like and meant to sing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until after high school that uh, I decided, you know, music is the thing, is the only thing for me. Okay. What about an instrument? Do you play piano or guitar or anything like that? So I taught myself to play the guitar. So um, basically my senior year of high school, my very best friend suddenly passed away. And it was just a really uh, foreign a feeling for me. And I didn't really know what to do with a lot of that at like 17, 18 years old. Um, wow, that's a foreign thing for anybody. I mean, wow. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And horrible. it was just such a shock. It was, we, she was, we were 18. She was like perfectly fine one day and the next day she was gone. So a lot of feelings and a, nowhere to really um, put those. And so that's how I kind of discovered songwriting. Um, Opposed to like, I had always loved writing, even as a in middle school and things like short stories and, you know, creating worlds and just a kid that lived in his imagination. Um, and so when that happened, it was kind of the trigger to be like, oh, wow, I can put all of these things into a song and let that be where I, I, I let those feelings live, you know? Um, so yeah, at that point, then I, I wrote a song about how I was feeling, didn't play the guitar at that point. So I ju- it was just lyric and melody. Um, and then I picked up the guitar and was like, okay, I've got to teach myself how to play this so that I can write songs. And it was really always just an accompany for me, like playing the guitar so that I could write my song. Right. Right. Like a yeah, uh, vehicle. So you could write your, your song. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> was the yep. first song you wrote about that experience you had with your friend passing away? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't even like remember the song. I don't have it recorded. Um, but I just know that that was like the first song that I ever wrote that I like wrote lyrics to melody. It was at 18 years old and that's what kind of catapulted everything else. Wow. I mean, unfortunate circumstances, but, um, you know, at least just one of those things of like, you know, in hindsight, looking back on life, I can see, Oh, had this not happened, who knows what path I would have taken to leave Russellville and then come out. Cause I never came out until I moved to Nashville. So that was another pivotal life moment where I can look back and see, Oh, moving to Nashville, coming out, to now like the artist that I am and how like I've grown and just kind of grown into my own and really know who I am and am unapologetic about that, you know? Right. I would imagine uh, uh, that being a very hard thing to do, you know, coming out, especially here. I mean, it's obviously changed a bit in Nashville and stuff and I'm not from here, so I don't know, but I would imagine it'd be a, a, a little 
more difficult than if you lived in LA or New York or, you know, more liberal <laughs> city. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, I can even, <clears throat> I can even uh, think about when I'm, I moved here now 11 years ago. Um, and so obviously moved here 11 years ago in the closet, but even still I was, there was no like representation. There was nobody that I could look at in country music and like see myself or see a pathway to get to where I wanted to be. Um, so it, it was only, you know, a decade ago, but even still um, to see where Nashville and where country music is right now to have like released a song that um, has hundreds of thousands of views and like to know that there is an audience that also feels like me and feels like unrepresented in country music it's only fueled me further to 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 be that voice for people um and it's just been it's it, it's night and day from when i moved here to the country music scene that i'm a part of now oh yeah i mean even still though it's still not as I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like even in country music now, it's not as big, obviously, as other for sure. genres. For sure. But like, for instance, um, this year is the first year that CMA Fest is having an entirely queer showcase on one of their main outdoor stages um, during the festival. And I'm playing that on the Friday of CMA Fest. So it'll be like me and four other queer artists um, and we have that whole like three hour block that's just like 30 minute sets of queer artists at CMA Fest on a main stage. Like that to me shows the progress. And even though there's still like a lot of hurdles for us to overcome, it's just really inspiring. And I'm just really grateful to be included in this space and in this charge with these other artists breaking down barriers and just like creating our own carving our own path. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. I didn't realize that they had a, a stage this year. That's so cool. Hard rock. The hard rock stage is giving us uh, like a three hour window um, just to showcase it's partnering with a uh, country crowd, which is an organization ran by um, two friends of mine that I've known since 10 years ago, since I moved to town. Um, and it's a, just a queer country showcase and they do all sorts of things. We just played, um, the country music hall of fame recently, oh, wow. um, doing it with country crowd, doing a whole showcase. Uh, so it's just been really cool. I've really just felt like this momentum recently where we're here and we're, um, in these spaces alongside all of these other artists proving that like we belong here, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. That's so cool that, uh, that this community is kind of uprising now. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, with your songwriting, so what took you then to Nashville after that you know, tragic thing had happened and you wrote your first song? Was at that moment or how, how soon after that were you like, I, I want to pursue songwriting? And obviously Nashville is, you know, the music capital and it's not that far from your from where you grew up. Also, was that. <laughs> like how quickly did you move down to Nashville? Yeah. Um, so I think graduating high school, um, 
It's a it's a far off thing for somebody from Russellville, Kentucky, to think to say, I want to be a country singer. Um, that just like isn't the norm or the path for most people in my town. Um, so I think as a kid, I just assumed, well, that's not really an option. Um, so I have to go to college. Um, so I went to Western Kentucky University in Bowling Green and. I I think I majored in broadcasting because I thought, okay, well, um, like radio broadcasting. I thought, well, this is this could be a, a thing that I still could listen to music and do music. Um, I quickly learned that uh, the college route was not the route for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I just couldn't. There was I just it didn't kind of feel that same passion that I had when it came to just like performing and writing songs. Um, so I dropped out of college and I bartended in my hometown until I was like 21. And um, what you could bartend before you were 21. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, that's Kentucky. No, you can bartend. When you turn 21, you, you, you got to call it it. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I bartended until I was like 21. And then I just realized and I all along I was like writing and teaching myself guitar. It was like that 18 to 21 period where I like taught myself to play guitar, was figuring out how to write songs. Um, and uh when I turned 21, I was just kind of like, okay, I've just got to be in Nashville. Like, this is very clearly the only thing that excites me and I'm passionate about. And the only thing that I felt like I was, I really had a gift or like a talent for. Um, so I knew that I had to be in Nashville. So um, I got a job in Green Hills Mall and I commuted from Russellville to Green Hills Mall an hour and a half every well yeah an hour and a half each way every oh day gosh. for like four months i think um because i thought okay well if i can just like be working in nashville then i'll meet people in nashville then i'll be able to like like find a roommate or like find a find a way to live there um because i obviously i also didn't come from like a wealthy family so like i knew that if i was going to do it i i was doing it on my own uh-huh um so i had to like come back and forth and then finally after like four months i was like okay this is going on long enough i have to move here um and live here and so i had kind of gotten a gauge of the landscape a little bit too so i found an apartment and i moved here and been here ever since oh my gosh wow you to drive that far to work at the mall i'm sure it was not for most... like you know no yeah. money at all i was, I was gonna say i'm sure you weren't making a whole for... ton of money yeah. <laughs> i was paying for gas to go to work basically <laughs> oh my gosh did you make any connections though was it was it worth totally. it totally oh there you totally. go totally um yeah and even still i i do still talk to some of the people that i first met and even um the twins who run country proud um, I got a second job working at Nukes, which you may have uh, seen around here. 
um, uh-huh. Duke's Cafe. Yeah. Uh, I got a second job working there. And my first day there, I met these two twin girls um, who became like my first real friends in Nashville. And now they are the ones who run Country Proud. They work in publishing. They were in, at Belmont at the time. Um, wow. So we've kind of grown up together and those those were truly my first friends. And now like a month ago, we were on the Country Music Hall of Fame stage, like telling the same story. It's just it's wild. <laughs> that is wild. Yeah. I mean, Green Hills was a good spot to, to try to meet people, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, totally. Well, I would see like Keith Urban or right. Dirk coming into the mall and just be like, my small town brain was just like not comprehending. Right. Yeah, that's cool. what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Wow. Okay. So then you eventually move here. And are you what just trying to show people your songs? Like, how do you kind of uh, make yeah. it into the the scene here? That's that's the part that nobody ever talks about. You know, <laughs> you right? Know yeah, I mean? it's, it's like, like then I moved here and really then talks here. about like what you do once you get here. It's just like, oh yeah, go to Nashville, write songs, play music. It's gonna be great. They don't right. really tell you that like you get here and you have to figure out who to write with and. Who- figure out who will book you and who will let you play shows and uh, who to show uh, your music to, <laughs> you know, there's, there's the millions things, of people. Here. Totally. So um, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a crash course for me. Um, and I'm trying to think like, really there was, it was a probably six months to a year of um, not really having a clue what I was doing here. Um but I had auditioned for American Idol the year I moved here and uh, made it onto the show and made it to Hollywood week. And they had like flown me to LA, which was my first time on a plane. Um, It was a whole thing. Um, Oh, that's crazy. Although it was like not the best experience as far as like, I was so not ready for, for like, stardom or fame or anything like that. I was so green. Um, But looking back now, um, it really did. It was another one of those points in my life because I was also not openly gay. So um, I had not come out yet and went on the show. And it was just so clear that I was just so uncomfortable in my body, so uncomfortable with who I was and um, what it was that I wanted to say, um, that it was never, it was never going to work for me for the American Idol that year. But what it did do is gave me a little bit of validation that I had never had before. Also from like major stars like Keith Urban. Um, it gave me a little taste of like validation and someone who does this saying, Oh, you've got something to then come back to Nashville and be like, okay, I'm fired up. How do I make these connections? How do I make this happen? And I just started going to um, songwriters rounds here around town and um, meeting other songwriters. And there happened to be this space called, um, oh my gosh, what was it called? Oh my gosh. It's not been around for years now, but it was basically this like songwriters house that you would pay like $50 a month to be a member of. And it was four different rooms that you could just like book writing sessions in and um, you could just like come in and write at them. And that is how I 
just like made connections. There were so many writers that were like booking rooms in. I can't believe I don't know what it's called. Yeah, I'm but that's so cool. So you can just what you pay 50 bucks a month and then you just you can book it's a room. Also, even. it was 24 hours like they had a little like yell lock on the door. So you could literally book a ride at like 8 p.m. or whatever and just like come in, scan your phone, get into the room and book a ride. And in passing, you would just like hang out in the lobby with like other songwriters and stuff and just meet people that way. Um, so really, that is where that is kind of where things shifted for me. Um, I then started meeting other people who were already playing gigs around town and playing writers rounds and they would invite me into their rounds. And that's kind of what got my foot in the door, at least to start like writing on a regular basis, performing on a regular basis. And even some of those people who I met um, writing songs at that place are still friends of mine today. Um, one of them is the guy who produces all of my songs, produced my whole record, minus three songs. Um, I still, we, we, he's in my band. Like, I, had it not been for that place, I would have never met him. So like Whoa. that, that place is really special to me. And that's why I'm like, I cannot believe I, it's like factory, some song factory. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that was kind of the thing that kind of um, opened some doors for me to help me start like building a community here, um, which obviously, even when I look back to that time, like seven years ago, um, I had only just, come out recently and was still trying to just like figure out who I was and what my voice was and what stories I had to tell. And um, honestly, this record that I just put out is the first time that I felt like I have been um, vulnerable and told stories that I feel like haven't been told before, like, and are just special songs to me you know what mm -hmm. i mean i feel like i really with this album and, and some of these songs really found a voice for people who are just like me all across america and in the world even um who are just in small towns and feel like other and don't have someone to look at in country music to say oh my gosh that's exactly how i feel and i have felt that from people and just received so much love from people that have said like, yo, this song is, is exactly what I wanted to send to my mom. Like the song I wrote boy like me, which is a love letter to my mom um, about her, you know, <laughs> wildly choosing to love her son instead of the, what her religion told her um, uh -huh. she did, how she should love her son. Um, and it's just been really inspiring and incredible to hear stories, similar stories, uh, just like mine, say how like these are the words that I never had to send to my mom so that she could understand me better. You know, like that yeah. is really what it's all about. Yeah, that's a, that's so special. That's amazing that you um, yeah, are able to connect with people like that, because I would imagine that being pretty terrifying to put that songs out like that and just. It's a different yeah. space, you know, you're like, okay, well, this is me. And then not only that, yeah, I'm in this country music space in the South and <laughs> all of, all of those <laughs> all things, of it. for sure. All of it. Oh, wow. Um, were you nervous at all putting the record out? Of course. I think, I think, I've, I think I'll always be just a little nervous. I think I'll, but I think that's more so of just like living, creating, 
a record and then living with it and having it only be yours for so long. Um, and then as you approach like release time, it's, it's just a little bit of anxiety of like, this has been mine for so long and these are so deeply personal to me. And now I'm going to put them on a world stage to be judged. And, um, of, of course there are some nerves. Um, but I think I got a lot of confidence from just like, um, teasing some of the songs on TikTok and having them get hundreds of thousands of views and thousands and thousands of comments of people who have such a similar story kind of gave me confidence to know that, okay, sure, there are definitely going to be people who don't relate or appreciate or want me here. Um, but I know that there's this whole group of people over here who desperately need people like me to keep creating music for them, you know? Yeah. Because Boy Like Me did really well on TikTok. And isn't that, is that what kind of really started? Ever, it, yeah. My first ever like viral experience of like just an explosion of love and appreciation. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. Well, tell me about that. Did you put it out? Not thinking anything of it other than like, oh, hopefully people will check this out. And then it just does. Really yeah, well, I don't know. No, not really. Uh, I knew that I knew that the video that I had was really special. Um, I knew that the song was really special. It's one of only a couple of songs that I've ever written where I have like physically been emotional writing the song, you know, like physically been like, oh, my God, tears in my eyes writing these lyrics like this is exactly the words that I've always been searching for, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I knew that the song was special. And I also have this thing where um, when I write songs, I always send the work tape to my mom and my boyfriend or like my sounding board, because I know that they'll always just like tell me things are great. Um, and sometimes <laughs> you need to hear that. So, um, so I always send them work tapes and new songs just to like get their gauge on it. But I knew that this song I wanted to like present to my mom in a special way. I wanted to like be there for the first time that she ever heard it. Um, and so I had this big show at the analog here in Nashville and I knew that she was coming. So my band and I like practiced this song and we'd never played it out before and she had never heard it before. And um, so I kind of set it up and told her what was happening in the middle of the show. Oh, wow. Um, and then sang the song to her. And, you know, just we everyone in the whole place, including myself, we were all just like bawling by the end of it. Sure. Uh, but then one of my friends had been like off the side of the stage and had been filming the performance. Um in a way that got me performing and also my mom like in the front row um, watching me perform it. And so when she sent me that video, I knew immediately I was like, oh, my God, first of all, this is so special to just own. have for, right yeah. for me to just have that is just so beautiful and I'll cherish it for always. Um, but I also knew immediately like, oh, people are going to relate to this. People are going to see this and be able to see like the power of love. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. no denying it. Like you can have your own opinions on my sexuality or whatever the case may be, but you can't watch this video and not experience love, you know? So I knew that it was special and I posted it like, 
I was holding on to it to post it on her birthday because I'm just crazy like that. Uh, <laughs> That's cool. So I like held on to it for a week. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna post it on her birthday. It's gonna be so cute. And then I almost forgot to post it until like 11 p.m. I was like busy that day and realized, oh my gosh, I've not posted this video. So I just threw it up in the middle of the night and woke up the next morning and it had already just kind of like blown up. And I was like, what is oh going my gosh. on? Yeah. Um, so it was, it was so awesome. That was like another moment for me that felt like a shift that I kind of like felt a shift in the universe being like, ah, your time is now. This is your sign. This is the right path go 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 yeah wow and it's so cool that you were able to capture that moment too oh my I mean, gosh even without the the fact that other obviously people are going to connect to it and then they did in the, in the viral yes. video but just yes. to have that itself mm -hmm. is so special that's so cool so special wow and so yeah you're you dropped the albums all it's out already um you said yep, three of the songs out. only three Say of the again. songs weren't I said only three of the songs weren't produced by um Nathan. Yep. Okay. So um Nathan, 16 songs, and it really is um it really is a bit of a concept record. Um because in the beginning, uh when we started recording it two years ago, um, it was really in the midst of pandemic life. Um, I for one was just so creatively like stifled and in 2020 i could not write a song i was just like feeling so creatively drained and like uninspired i worked really hard on an ep at the end of 2019 um and had this great release and had all of these meetings that were happening at the top of 2020. Um, and then literally the world shut down and there was, there was just like no more meetings, no more music, no more anything. So it just felt um, like a gut punch to me that I had like worked so hard on something and felt so passionate about something. And then the world shut down. <laughs> um, so I was just like very uninspired, couldn't make myself finish a song um, for the majority of 2020 um, until like the last quarter of the year. Um, and I sat down and had a melody for a melody in the first line of make you mine, which is on disco cowboy um and i just sat down and started writing it and i wrote the whole song in like 30 minutes uh by myself and that was kind of like the first song that uh kind of re-sparked um my creative juices flowing you know mm -hmm. um and and i was also just like so deeply inspired by disco and funk music during the pandemic. I think it was just like a counterbalance of like fear and uncertainty with like pure joy that lives in disco music. You know what I mean? So we would just be like having house parties with just Lee and I blasting disco music and Donna Summer and just like living in our own world. You know what I mean? So it was only, um, it was it was just that influenced 
than what music I wanted to create. You know what I mean? So then I was like so inspired by uh, a heavy bass line and just like the funk of disco and, and how I could infuse that with what I do as like a country singer storyteller. Um, and Nathan and I got together in 2021 and started recording. And it was really originally just supposed to be uh, a disco funk country record. And I wrote the song Disco Cowboy with my friend AJ Smith. Um, and that felt like, oh, Disco Cowboy, it's the perfect uh, combination of things that represent where I'm at right now. Uh, and then about a year into it, <laughs> it was probably actually the end of last year, the last quarter of last year, I went to Nathan and I had been writing, writing, writing so much the past two years. Um, but I had then kind of started writing more songs that felt inspired by my hometown and felt inspired by like Kentucky and bluegrass and country music. And I was like, I don't really know how these two things marry. Like I've got this like disco funk uh, project. And then I've got this really rooted in like Southern Kentucky from a very queer perspective. Um, both of these things feel unique and special to me, um, but I don't know how they go together. And then one night um, it dawned on me that like disco cowboy can just be a double record and there can be a disco side and a cowboy side and I can play have this place for all of this fun, funky, upbeat dance music to live and then have a space for all these stories that feel so deeply personal to me. And, and I don't have to pick between the two of them. I can be both of those things, you know? Yeah. That's a cool concept. Yeah. So one side is more the, yeah, like you said, the disco side and then the other side is the grassroots country. Yeah, exactly. Yep. That's awesome. That's a really clever and uh, creative way to do that. Just, you know, I, I don't know, just, just came to me and I said, this is really crazy, Nathan, but I want to record a whole second album if that's cool with you. And we have like five months to do it. <laughs> <laughs> we take it like literally like 13, 14 months to do the whole disco side. And I was like, what do you say we do it all over again with five months to spare? <laughs> <laughs> did all the original disco songs make the album then, or did you have to weed it back? To, so it made, I did have hard. to weed it back. Um, okay. I did have to weed it back there. I, Cause I probably wrote, I don't know, I, countless songs. And um, I originally had like 10 or 12 disco songs um, that I had ready for like the disco record that would just mm. be that um and then when i started writing like uh boy like me and uh the one that got away and felt like oh no these songs are too special to not have a place that's when i came up with the concept for the double album so we kind of trimmed a couple of the disco ones and then added four or five more um cowboy ones that's awesome and then so you're doing uh the big CMA festival thing coming up too, yeah. which is huge. Uh, what so else do you exciting. have coming on? So um, we just had an album release show uh, this past weekend, which was so awesome. We had it over at the eighth room, which if you've not checked out a show there, 
I haven't. It used to be called uh, Douglas Corner, which was kind of like a staple in Nashville. Um, Little kind of hole in the wall across from Zanies, if you've ever been. Oh, yeah, I know where Zanies is. Yeah. So uh, Jason Hollis and his wife bought it and reopened it, remodeled it, everything, um, and reopened in January. And it is it's honestly just like the perfect vibe and marriage for my music that when I walked in the place to see a buddy plan, I immediately was like, uh, this is home. This is like <laughs> Studio 54 meets like art pop. It's just disco energy everywhere. Cool. Um, and so we had a really great show this past weekend. I played the full album. We had just like packed wall to wall. It was so much fun um playing at i'm playing a um so pride month is going to be really wild which also includes cma fest um but i'm playing at city winery on the third to benefit the trevor project um playing a gig at the basement on the fifth and then friday the ninth at cma fest um and we'll do the hard rock stage at cma fest and then Country Proud's also going to do another showcase that night that um, we'll have more details about soon. Um, and then I'm playing Nashville Pride as well on the 25th. Um, and then just a, a, a lot of gigs here around town in between then. That's amazing. But, Very busy and some cool, really cool shows coming up. Sounds yeah, like. super cool. Super, super grateful. And just uh, we're just trucking along. Happy to be here. <laughs> well, Adam, thank you so much for for doing this and uh, Dude, telling us your you. story. This has been a lot of fun. Um, Absolutely. So much fun. I have one more question for you before I let you go, though. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Absolutely. Um, I would say um, if you're just moving to Nashville, first of all, go to all of the shows that you can go to. Um, that's where you're going to meet your people. Um, just as far as being an artist, uh, finding your voice and what you want to say and stand in your ground and standing beside it. Um, that would be what I wish I would have told myself eight years ago is don't be afraid to be yourself and find your voice and tell your stories. That would have been super helpful for me to know. (laughs) 